This is Wednesday Night Bible Study here at the Pine Little Pentecostal Church with our sister Jenny Vanderham bringing the message tonight. Great is the Lord. Here's Sister Jenny. Okay, we're going to start with a song. Okay? Does that sound good? My phone has really done a number on me here. Okay, come on, little phone. There's Okay, here we go. So... Uh, Farrell mentioned this the other Sunday night, <laughs> and um, the Lord had been dealing with me about doing this song and talking about it, because it's really quite unique once you get a little bit of the background, because you know that first little uh, sentence there, a song and psalm for the sons of Korah, has anybody ever wondered what that was? Just didn't care? Well, I'm going to explain to you who those sons of Korah are. And we're going to talk about this song. But anyway, it's a great praise song, and it's great is the Lord. Y'all can sing it. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for sweet situation, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth. Is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king? All righty. Wait a minute. Where'd my other one go? Oh. Joey, I got a problem up there. My other song didn't come through. Do you see it? Okay. It must have blinked out. But anyway, we're going to also learn this in Hebrew. Not all of it, don't worry. But <laughs> great is the Lord. Gadol. Gadol. That's great. Gadol Adonai. See, you know, great is the Lord. You can say that now. Gadol Adonai. You know, when you're praying. All right. So, Gadol Adonai. Gadol Adonai. All right? Okay. So, we're going to uh, learn it. You can't bring it up, Joey? <laughs> well, huh? Great is the Lord. I just typed it in there. Oh, yeah, there it is. Okay, bring it up. Got to bring it up. Uh, oh. Now, that's the Hebrew version. Go to the next slide. Is that all? Yeah, that's in Hebrew. Now, I want the one I wrote in black up there. There we go. Gadol Adonai. I don't know why my phone didn't pick it up. Gadol Adonai. Great is the Lord. You see it up there? Gadol Adonai. Umehu lau mi'od. I, I typed it out so you could read it and understand, okay? 
So, Gadol Adonai Umehu Lao Me'od. Ba'ir Eloheinu. Okay? In the city of God. Ba'ir Eloheinu. Harkacho, Harkacho. You know, it's like cod. Cod show? Show to cod? No. Yafe, Yafe, Nof. That's north. No, uh, Nof. Ume Sikal Haret. Haret is the earth. Okay. Hartzion, Mount Zion. Harkatai Saphon. Kiriat Melech Ra. Okay. It's, it's, it's not as easy as the one from last time. <laughs> he named my tove. <laughs> okay. Not quite as easy. But anyway, I'll sing it for you. We're going to start with um, English, and then uh, we'll go to the Hebrew or the translation here. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Gadol Adonai Umehulamio Bayir Eloheinu Harkad Shoharkadsho Yafe Yafe Nof Ume Sikal Hares Hartzion Yarkatai Safon Kiriat Melek Ra <laughs> but great is the Lord. Now, there's an interesting story behind the sons of Korah. You know, everybody's ancestry doesn't have great ancestries, right? You know, there's horse thieves in some, there are murderers in others, you know, whatever. Well, three different occasions in the Bible, starting over in Genesis, we hear about the Korahs, Korah, which is the, the father of the whole descendants. They take everybody's name, the man's name. Anyway, he was not uh, a very good man because when they were coming out of Egypt, he gave Moses and Aaron the hardest of times. He was not very nice to Moses. He was not very nice to Aaron. And most of all, he was not very nice to God. He questioned Aaron. He questioned Moses and said, who are you? I can't believe that God would bring us out here in the midst of this desert and have us go through all of these, uh, these places and walk and walk and walk for 40, 40 years. And he says, I don't believe it. I just don't believe you, Moses. I don't believe you. Now, the interesting thing about Korah was that he was an offshoot of the tribe of Levi. What is the tribe of Levi in the Bible? What are they known for? 
taking care of the tabernacle, okay? They, every time once they got the tabernacle up and running, they were the ones who were responsible for gathering the stuff in the tabernacle. And each person, each family was assigned specific things. Well, Korah, he was not happy because he didn't think he had the best job. He just didn't. He just didn't think he had the best job of them all. So he goes, and even though he had holy duties, it reminds me of the people who, you know, work behind the scenes. A lot of people don't know this. A lot of people work behind the scenes doing stuff in a church. I mean, all of a sudden, we saw beautiful chairs sitting out there. Well, somebody worked behind the scenes to get them somewhere to get somebody to upholster them and get them back here, right? I don't, I have yet to hear these folks complain because that was something they wanted to do in their heart. But Cora, no, he's going to complain. He had a job to do with the tabernacle, but yet he was not happy having to war, uh, wander around in the desert for all those many years, and then all of a sudden, he decided that he was going to get some folks together. And he goes over to the Dathan family, and he says, hey, what do you think about Moses as a leader? You think he's doing right by us, making us walk in the desert? We've already been here like 10 years. What's up with this? What do you think about that? And then he went over to another family, and he began to talk to them about what um, Moses was doing and Aaron was doing until he had gotten together about 250 rebelish people. Okay, so he gets 250 people on his side, and then he's (coughs) he's going to confront Moses. Well, I don't know about you, but if I suddenly saw... 250 people heading my way, I'd want to find some place to hide. What do you think? I, I, you know, hey, you know, they're coming my way, and I already know the ring leader doesn't like me. So they get over to where Moses is at, and they begin to complain to him. And the Lord d- says to Moses, he says, we're going to test. We're gonna, Moses, you're going to test these folks. He says, I want you to tell them to return the next day with something known as a censer. You know, those ones that they, you know, they, in the Catholic Church and in some of the other churches, they have incense in them. And so he says, I want you to tell them to bring those vessels filled with incense. And then I want you to tell them to come back the next day. So, Moses conveys the message. The next day, they all come, all 250 of them. And they're standing outside the tabernacle. Now, you know, the tabernacle was only tent material and curtains and stuff like that. But it was a holy place. So, Moses was standing at the door. And he stood there. And all of a sudden, as all, all of them had come in, they'd all come up, they'd all gotten close. 
Not much room between Moses and the people. And all of a sudden, God's judgment opened up the earth where they were standing and swallowed them up. Whoa. He just swallowed them all up. And then he had fire come down from heaven and consume them because they questioned not Moses, not Aaron, but they questioned God. I was told this story many years ago when I was younger, and I thought, whoa. I don't know about you, but it scared me a little bit. Because if God will open up the ground in front of, in front of you and those that are doing evil or get swallowed up, then I want to make sure I'm on the right side of that hole. Right? And so this is what begins to happen. And so it carries on down throughout the lineage. It carries on down with the people and different ones. But then all of a sudden, there were three sons of, of Korah. And these three sons said, you know, I've heard these stories and I've heard all these stories about what God is doing and what God did to my ancestors back. And they said, you know what? I don't want to follow that path. I don't want to follow that path. I want to praise God. I want to be a praiser. And so the sons of Korah that wrote the, the Psalms began to do that. We also know from Scripture that Samuel, remember good old Samuel? Samuel was one of those Korites. So there were good ones coming along. And Samuel probably explained to them the good news of Jesus and the good news of God and began to talk to them. And so there were three. <coughs> we used to tell Marcus when he was little, he probably doesn't remember this, that He-Man was in the Bible. You know, he, he used to like He-Man, you know, the little character, whatever guy. Well, He-Man he was one <laughs> of the chorus. And he's in the Bible. He's there. You just have to look for him. But he had, there were three of them. And they always only named the boys anyway. So there was He-Man, there was Asaph, and Ethan. And those three became great music leaders for God. And they began to write music. They began to publish music. And we have the Psalms because of them. Because they said, I am not going to follow in the path that my ancestors did. I'm going to follow after God. I am going to allow God to use me, to work through me, to guide me. And that's what they began to do. And they began to write these wonderful songs. Family legacies do not determine everything in your life. They don't. That's why we tell children today that you can't get to heaven on grandma's coattail. I know there are some that probably wish they could, but they can't. They have to confess Jesus themselves. So even though they had a godly grandmother or they had a godly great-grandmother, they still have to purposely within themselves decide what they're going to do. 
how they're going to live. And that's what these three men did. They decided to live for God. They wanted to be great men of God, and they began to sing the Psalms. And we have them written down here. There were others in the Bible that were wicked and had wicked uh, families that, uh, prior to them, but they chose to turn to God. They turned, chose to turn to him. Going against God, there are lots of consequences. I could never see how somebody could actually go against God. I've had friends that have, have they were Christians, and then all of a sudden, they made an about face and went and started living with the devil. They're not saved today. And it bothers me that they're not living for the Lord. But what can you do? You can just pray for them. And so when we disobey God, there are consequences. Just like those 250 people that were not very nice to Moses and Aaron, and especially God. God did something. He did something about them. He got rid of them. He opened up the, up the ground, and they were consumed. He was completely uh, right in what he was saying about what he wanted the specific groups to do. It was clear what he was trying to say, but they didn't listen. God can redeem anything and anyone. Aren't we glad? There's redemption through Jesus. After you read about Korah dying in an earthquake or a sinkhole, whatever you call it, it just swallowed him up. You think the story ends there, but it doesn't. God continued to bless the line of Korah. God blessed them. There were holy men that came out of that line. There were men who backed the Lord. There were men who wanted to follow after God. And so the legacy continues. Over in Luke, it says, from everyone who has been given much, guess what? Much will be demanded. Oh, I'm just, I'm just nobody in the church. Oh, no, you're not just nobody in the church. God's given you much. God's given you the opportunity to be in church. God's given you the ability to do things in the church, whether it's uh, vacuuming the floor or bringing in bottles, cases of water or taking the trash out. You have been given much. You've given, been given God. God's given, been giving you great things, coming to church, allowing you to come to church, being a part of the family of God. And so Luke says, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. God asked a lot of us as Christians, just as he began to ask much of these three men who began to stand for God. God gave them musical talents. Some of them played instruments. Some of them wrote songs. Some of them sang. Whatever it was, God blessed them and gave them God-given talent. So let's look at this, this psalm. <clears throat> Great is the Lord. When I read that, I don't read it 
Great is the Lord. No. Great is the Lord. He's our great shepherd, right? He's our savior. He's a great one. He's our, our all in all. He's done so many things. So he's a great is the Lord. Great is his name. Great is God. And greatly to be praised. That's more than just, well, hallelujah, Jesus. I love you. And uh, be with me this week. Amen. And off to your chair you go. No. He wants us to greatly praise him. He wants us to get out of ourselves and praise him. You know, I certainly got out of myself singing to y'all in Hebrew. Although you don't know if I goof up. However, there are friends of mine that watch these things, and they know if I goof up or not. And they'll text me real quick. You didn't pronounce that right, or you didn't do this right, or why didn't you sing it longer? You know, there's always critics out there, so don't worry. But in the city of our God, in Jerusalem, let me tell you, when we lived, I lived there in Jerusalem, it was a, it was the greatest experience of my life because I was living in the whole city. Now, I had to work hard. We had a house, and there was a nice yard in it, and one of our folks got this idea that she wanted to have a fish pond out there in the, in the yard, and so we go to digging, and you know, there, God had three bags of rocks. And um, he poured one bag over all the world, but the other two he threw right over on Israel. And right where they wanted this pool of water, there was this massive rock. So I've got all the dirt dug around it, and they said, oh, we got just what you need. And I'm like, okay. I'm thinking, I, I can't get that rock out. I can't pick it up. I mean, it was humongous. And they brought me a sledgehammer. Okay, now, you know, I'm 19 years old, but I'm telling you, I don't care how big that sledgehammer is, it's not going to break that rock. I hit it, a little piece would break up. I'd hit it, and I'd hit it, and I'd move to another position, and I'd hit it, and that thing wasn't cracking. And I hit it some more, and I thought, Lord, help me to figure out another way to get this rock out of here. How in the world? Well, then all of a sudden, this friend of ours said, hey, we need uh, Jenny to lead a, a, a tour around the country, you know, and she'll make a little bit of money. And I'm thinking, da-da, da-da, da-da. I began to think about that, and I thought, man. So at the end of that tour, and I got back home, and I said to the guy, I said, look, I don't know how much the money is, but it needs to be big enough or large enough to bring a jackhammer to come over here with somebody else using it and dig out this rock. 
And they finally did. I don't know how long it took them, but I didn't have to crack at them anymore. But anyway, they finally got it, and they didn't even get the whole rock out. I said, what's up with that? But God makes a way. But I was in the city of Jerusalem. I was living there. When I addressed letters to to people and I put Jerusalem, real big, Israel, on the envelope because I wanted people to know I was in the holy city. I loved being there. Even though I had to work hard on some crazy ideas of folks, I still loved being there. Being in the city of God is the holy city. I walked all over that city, never felt afraid at all. Never felt afraid. Then it says, in the mountain of his holiness. We had services on Mount Zion. We held services there, and people would come by, and they'd be touring, and they'd stop and listen to the services. We didn't have PA speakers, but the church was designed in such a way it echoed out. And it began to, people around the area began to hear us. And we'd start singing and praising God. We were on the holy mountain, Mount Zion. We were praising God. It's not a psalm that you just read it just to read it, but it's a song that God wants us to get in our hearts and get in our lives. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Enjoy it. Get out there and give it all you got. In the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation. Jerusalem Jerusalem is just naturally beautiful. Naturally beautiful. Not only in my eyes, but in the eyes of God. Being near God's heart. Living in Jerusalem. Within the mountain of his power. Knowing that God loves Jerusalem upon the hills of his faithfulness to the people of Israel and at the center of godly operations. That's what it means to be beautifully situated. The elevation of the church is her beauty. When it talks about where it is sitting, it's the beauty that God has engulfed that city with. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion. Jerusalem was the world's star. It was what they were looking for. They may look and see, oh, it's just another city, but it's not. It's not just another city. There's a, there's a, a, a different feeling when you go, get into Jerusalem. When you rock, walk around in Jerusalem, you feel the presence of God because you know what? Everybody's praying. They pray in Jerusalem. They all pray. Everybody prays in Jerusalem. Now, can you tell me everybody prays in Pine Level? No, sad to say. But in the city of Jerusalem, everybody prays. We always had a three-day weekend. Because on Fridays, the Muslims were out there praying. So we couldn't go buy anything in the Muslim shops. So we just prayed with them. You didn't dare wash clothes and hang them up because that's against their, their Sabbath. 
on Saturday is the Jews. And so you didn't offend them, so you didn't do anything then. And then on Sunday, it's the Christian's day of prayer, and so you don't do anything then. So you only have to work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now, how good is that? And know that everybody's praying. And I tell you, praying is what God wants us all to do. And finally, the last phrase of the song, on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is the great king. He's the king of the church, and he rules all the nations, the people among whom the Lord chooses to dwell. That's the Jewish people. They are privileged. God has his hand on them. The interesting thing about the Jewish people is that they have, they read a psalm for each specific day of the week. Okay? So you, you want to jot it down, that's fine. If not, you know, i make you some copies of this. So I did make some. I printed out. On Sunday, they read Psalm 24. Psalm 24. They read it every Sunday. After they do all their prayers, they read Psalm 24. Now, do, well, let me finish this. On Mondays, they read Psalm 48, this one, on Mondays. On Tuesdays, they read Psalm 82. Get a chance, go back and read these. On Wednesday, tonight, they would read Psalm 94. Thursday, they would read Psalm 81. On Friday, they would read Psalm 93. And we all probably know a good bit about Saturday's Psalm 92. But they read those Psalms every day to the week. Now, do they read it just to read it? No. They read it to God, and for God to work in them. I'm going to read to you part of Psalm 48, and this is the Hebrew translation. This is the Israeli Bible, the Jewish Bible, and it's not in order as we have ours. It's a big old book, but it's got Hebrew on one side, and uh, English on the other, <laughs> okay? But it says Hashem. It says Hashem because the Jews do never pronounce the name of God. It's holy. They would never say God. They would say Hashem. Hashem. Hashem is great and much acclaimed in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Hashem, the, his holy mountain, fair-crested, joy of all the earth. Mount Zion, the summit, the summit, the city of the great king. Through its citadels, Hashem 
has made himself known as a haven in his towers. He's our haven. He's our place of rest. See the king's Joined forces, they advanced together. At the mere sight of it, they were stunned. They were terrified. They panicked. They were seized there with a trembling like a woman in the throes of labor. So when they see Jerusalem, it's this huge, huge place. High, high walls. And they're afraid because they know they can't. Get through there. Brother Farrell is preaching in Nehemiah to rebuild those walls, to make them once again a site of terror, of panic, so the people will leave the people of Israel alone. That's what he's saying in um, Psalms 48. And as they read and study, they study the Word. They study the Word. At the age of 12, when they're getting ready to go to 13, they have to learn by memory how to read in Hebrew a very, very long passage in front of friends, family, and neighbors to show that they are mature enough to stand firmly in the Word of God. Shame we didn't pick up some of those ideas. Learn passages of Scripture. And today, I wonder how many of our children know some of the verses that you all learned when you were going to Sunday school. How many of them? I mean, besides John three sixteen, we all, I dare say, had to learn Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Right? And some even had to learn Psalm 150. Right? Make a joyful noise. 100 and 150. So there are passages of Scripture that we have dwelling within our heart that we need to know. Pharaoh preached on, one, uh, on a passage. I didn't look it up. But it says, and I know it as a song, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Why? So we know the word of God in our hearts. How do you know? I mean, you know, think about all the songs that you were taught as a kid. They may have been, you know, like... Um, God's, I'm in the Lord's army. We all know that, right? I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. And then there's this little light of mine. 
I'm going to let it shine. When did you learn that? Not when you're old, but when you were younger. We have something that we can go back on, that we can lean on. And that's why we need the Word of God hidden in our hearts. We need the Word of God as a part. I remember in children's church when my mother was doing children's church and I came and, and she was not well. And so I took over for her. And we were, we did, uh, when I was a kid, we did something called, uh, we gave badges. Darlene probably still has hers, I don't know. Darlene Baker. But um, we would make little badges and we'd have little sashes for them. And we'd get, once they learned something specific, we'd give them a little badge and they would, you know, we'd put it on there. And, and they were so proud of that. But we were teaching them the Word of God and getting it in there. Do our young people today have that same advantage? That's what breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I pray they do. We need to pray even harder that God will reach down into their lives and place the Word of God there. Let's all stand. And if you will, come forward. Let's pray that God will help us to stand strong in Him, that we'll stand and show others that how much we need to have God in our hearts and have his word hidden there. My word have I hid in my heart that I might not jump rope, drive a car, work to buy insurance for that car? No. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Sin against God. Lord, I pray. Lord, that as we are here tonight, Lord, that you would help us to be teachers to the young, to be teachers to those that we love so much, to instill in them the Word of God, to instill in them your passages of Scripture. For Lord, when they get our age, and it doesn't usually take very long, it seems, Lord, they're going to need all the word they can have in their hearts. They're going to need the presence of God. Lord, just as we thought it was a long time before we would have to be in a leadership roles and because our parents were in those roles, and then all of a sudden you began to take them home and you began to call them out and you began to take them to be with you and that put us into the roles that they had. Lord, help us to be that strong and mighty tower. Help us to be that city that they want to have at the center of their lives. Help us, Lord, to be the people that carry forth the word of God. And Lord, that most of all, they'll learn all they can about you so that they'll not sin against you, but that they'll know that your hand is upon their life. You've been watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church. The Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, 
If you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, Go to facebook.com forward slash pine level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page. That's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel. Get notifications when we go live. You watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.